0: welcome to the body wisdom podcast i'm your host kiara you can expect new episodes each wednesday that are educational inspiring and honest surrounding various women's health topics spirituality and so much more the body wisdom podcast was brought to life by integrating the physical and emotional body to deepen one's healing journey thanks for being here and enjoy the show Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the body wisdom podcast. I am your host Kiara Orbe, and I'm here with my co-host Gabby, Gabby <laughs> Barbosa. <laughs> you guys, we are in for a treat today. Like this is a very personal and I know it's going to be a super educational episode. Um, for those of you who are not yet famili- familiar, familiar, with internal family systems and parts work, but it's so special because we're actually here with Elizabeth, who is Gabby, Gabby's, um, personal therapist. So welcome Elizabeth. So nice to have Thank you much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. We're excited to dive in today. Um, so I guess, yeah, for starters, um, what is internal family systems?
1: So internal family systems, IFS, is an evidence-based practice modality that I felt personally drawn to. It isn't diagnostic in the way that a lot of other therapy modalities are, and that allows the stigma that comes with mental health to be removed. Uh, parts work is really looking at us being made up of infinite amount of parts. It takes systems theory, which we're all pretty familiar with the people in our external system affects our internal system. So ifs looks at it as we are looking at our internal system and seeing how that affects ourselves, our relationships, both internally and externally.
2: Yeah, yeah. I that when you, I think during our first session, you asked me if I had seen the movie inside out and that is a really, if anyone's seen that movie, that's a really like great example of what IFS is doing. Um,
0: Yeah, I, I have yet to watch that
2: and I've heard it
0: from you multiple times. I've heard it in my somatic training multiple times. And I'm, that's probably my homework for tonight is to go watch that movie. (laughs)
2: It's
1: super cute too. It is and it you know it's it's layman terms IFS. So in the movie there's the little girl you go inside her brain there's a the control panel and whatever emotion is at the control panel is how she reacts. So IFS is deeper than that. We have the sort of symbol for it is an upside down triangle, and our parts are divided up into three categories. So in the middle of the triangle, we have self. So self has no agenda, no judgment, Uh, It's curious, compassionate. One thing I love about curiosity is judgment does not exist if we are curious. So there is this softening that occurs when we're able to meet ourselves without that judgment. So self energy is the goal is to get to self energy. Now our parts are not self energy and no parts are bad or wrong. It's really looking at it if we are not in, if the parts are not in their preferred role, they're in an elevated role, it's not always going to be the most adaptive. So, the first category of parts are our manager parts, and those kind of keep up our status quo. So, what do I do day to day to feel like I've got this? I'm in control, I'm confident, et cetera. And we have our firefighter parts and our firefighter parts are like get relief no matter what the cost. So firefighter parts can often get a bad rep, but they're not bad. It's just my system's overwhelmed. Like reactive (laughs) anger is a great example of a firefighter part. And then those two category of parts protect our exiled parts and our exiled parts crave redemption. They want to be seen, they wanna be validated. They want to know that they are good, but they carry shame, grief, trauma, et cetera. And so, you know, our hope is to have these roles be able to integrate and live back in our system without having these categorizations or the weight and trauma that they're carrying.
0: Mm. I love that you said, uh, mentioned the no bad parts part (laughs) because that uh, the book by dr richard schwartz completely changed my life and at first like actually hearing that was kind of triggering too because like how could there be no bad parts there are no bad people in this world huh like even the ones that could do the most like horrendous crimes um but reading that book was i told you about it gabby it was so so um it allowed me to soften. So I really enjoyed that read. If you guys are interested in a, a little resource there, but you mentioned anger and this is something that actually came up yesterday too. And I'm curious if you can touch on this. Um, anger is usually seen as like this negative emotion in society. So how
1: would IFS approach it? Yeah, I love that question. So IFS would see that a part of you is carrying anger. So anger is a secondary emotion. So if we're looking at a part, a reactive part with anger, protective part with anger, there are sort of multiple ways that we're going to approach this. The first is we want to get to know that part. We want to know how it's protecting you. We want to know what it needs for validation. We want to know what it's afraid of. What is, what is its fear if it doesn't do this? What will happen to our system? Though that part is going to be protecting another part. What's the wound? What's the trauma? So again, no part is bad. No part is wrong. It's really looking at it as you know, we want to find out how we can support that part and do so in a way to have that internal harmony. Because when our parts react to something, it's for a reason, right? Like this is happening to get our attention, to wake us up. And in that moment, we have an opportunity to stand in our power, self-validate, speak for our parts, or we can sort of do what we're conditioned to do and speak from it, which usually ends up causing more disconnection. And the goal, I would say as important to us as breathing and nourishment is connection to self and others.
2: That was one of the most like light bulb moments I think in doing this work for me is that anger is always protecting another part and myself, like I'm not someone that often experiences anger, but I actually, our last therapy session, we worked through anger with me, which was really interesting, but, um, and it, it has come up more and more, but I did, um, have a relationship with somebody who anger was one of their biggest emotions. And when I could like switch on, um, the compassion for that anger, instead of like, why are you so angry? Like, how do you have so much anger in you? I don't even know what that would feel like. I have more like sadness. That's my main emotion. Uh, I would say not main, but you know, um, come up before number anger. one thing you want to feel. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: my you know like
2: ideal. Um, <laughs> No, like it. It was just like, oh, I can have so much compassion for this person that is carrying so much that I might not even be able to begin to understand how much is underneath that anger. Um, and when you can switch it from compassion to why are you so this, or why are you so that it's like, Oh, you, you're protecting so much right now. Um, and it doesn't mean that you deserve to be screamed at or walked all over anything like that. It's just that, um, I, I can like kind of take a step back and know that I'm speaking to this part of you that is anger. Um, yeah, it makes
1: it sense. makes a huge difference because it's then not personal, right? So everything feels personal for the majority of people in this world and the reality is nothing is personal. You know, my my lens of the situation is going to change on what's happening in my internal system and when we're able to see a part of them is triggered and that has nothing to do with me, that compassion is able to come forward so much easier because we don't feel attacked. Mm -hmm. We're able to kind of get curious. We're able to set that boundary and not in a way that's shaming or, you know, mean, it's really just, I'm not available to be spoken to in this way, or I'm not available for this dynamic right now. I'm going to step away and I'm going to return at this time, et cetera. Really, you know, however that dynamic works out in your relationship, but it, one of the main goals is really looking at where is safety and having that safe space internally allows for a much safer space externally. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Safety is always something that we're talking about in my practice. And I guess the big question that I receive is Kiara, how do I feel safe in my body? Especially, you know, since I work with a lot of women, we work with a lot of women who do struggle with chronic symptoms um, whether that be emotional or physical. So, yeah.
1: One thing that's cool with IFS is every part has a sensation. So when we're starting to get to know our system, we want to identify what's the sensation, what's the thought, and really they call flesh it out. Um, and not all, I want to be very clear that when we are figuring out our system, it's not all heavy, hard parts. There are parts that are this like wild child, carefree, creative, uh, you name it. And so I personally love figuring out my internal system because I find it fascinating. So we've sort of talked about heavier things and more protection. It doesn't always have to be heavy or hard. So I Mm. want to make sure that that's known because I think that can be a barrier to moving forward with this because like, Well, why would I want yeah. to do that all the time? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that. And 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 finding that can also help create safety, is what you're saying. Right. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And I you can that. kind of call on these different parts when you need them as well. Um, like where is the playful part? Like, how can we invite that part in during a time possibly of feelings of anxiety, feelings of depression, feelings of grief. Um, how can we also invite in the playful part, the soothing part, all of that to do their job and what they can protect us with. Um, yeah. I love that. Cause therapy doesn't have to, when we laugh all the time, like in our, in our sessions, like we laugh all the time and I don't want anyone to think that you're just going to therapy and crying Um, there's a, there's a time and place for that and it feels amazing, but there's also a time and place for
0: like not taking it so seriously. Mm, That's it. That's it. Because I think a lot of the women that we work with, and I kind of experienced this a little bit last night when I received my lab results back, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to da, 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 da. And it's this intense, serious protocol and serious way of being and living. And it's actually, for me, I'm, I believe that healing is more so a subtractive process. And the also connecting with that childlike essence. Maybe it is the wild child or maybe it is the creative one that comes forth and finding that and rediscovering that because I think as we grow older, we kind of, just with the modern world and the way it is, It's kind of like suppressed and suppressed and suppressed. So I really love that. I think laughing and and play are a huge part to to healing these parts of us for
1: sure. Mm -hmm. And our bodies know. So one of the biggest barriers when starting this work is this is weird, (laughs) like because it's a totally abstract way of thinking. Once you do it, those neural pathways get familiar with it. And then it feels like second nature. I ask you, how does that your inner child want to play? Your body is going to let you know, we have to trust what we hear. So that's another piece of the healing process is trusting what your body's telling you. Mm. And that doesn't mean we're blending with it. It means a part of me feels this way. I'm communicating with this part and I'm trusting its knowledge and its wisdom. So when we can have that narrative, it allows us to really honor ourselves instead of looking externally to fill this play, right? I want to play somebody else come in and give me that joy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, trust is such a big topic. <laughs> uh Again, going back to the 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 idea of the women that we work with and and not trusting their bodies, not feeling safe in their bodies, um, or there's trauma that happens and disembodiment occurs. How do you begin to trust yourself when trusting yourself
1: has been broken? Like the trust has been broken in the past. There was a rupture. Biggest piece is that mind-body connection. You know, when we're working with people with significant trauma, it is there is a disconnect because that disconnect allowed survival. And I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, capital T trauma or lowercase T trauma. To me, trauma is trauma. And I don't get to decide how Mm. trauma lands in anyone else's body. What Mm. I want to look at is let's do what we can to support and heal and move forward. You know, trauma is going to come is going to have grief along with it and grief is forever right grief is as permanent as love and to me they're the same thing so it's not we're going to get over this and we're going to not have to think about it again it's there's a new way of life we are going to heal we're going to process and we're going to move forward with what we know now and when looking at trauma when looking at anxiety depression chronic illness you name it usually what happens is all of those things truly are protecting this deep wound. So this trauma that lives in your body, that your nervous system knows very well and has survived to this point. So it's not that the way that it's surviving is bad or wrong. It's really looking at it as, okay, and can we know more now? So when we're going through this, when you get to know your parts, when you get to, build a relationship with them i would say 99 percent of the time they're trying to protect us from something bad happening if it's anxiety or remove us from a world that feels too triggering or scary if it's trauma depression and when we're able to frame what we're feeling having my body's messages my mind messages what's my self energy we're able to move through that and normalize it instead of pathologizing it, which is so common, you know, when we're looking at, you know, that linear way of thinking, right? This happens, we do this, and we move forward. But the reality is, this life is cyclical, everything's a cycle. So when we can see this in a different way, it allows us to embrace it and not judge it or label it or put it someplace that's seen as bad or wrong.
2: Yeah. I remember this is something we worked through like at the end of 2020. And I found myself after a couple, it's so crazy when we talk about how grief is really um, anxiety, like anxiety and depression, the root of that is grief and I found myself in a deep depression for the first time in a very long time. And it was triggered by two really significant um, scenarios of grief. And I had dreamt one of those nights of my ex-boyfriend of, in high school. And I was like, why? I literally never think about him, like, ever. Why am I dreaming about him? And I remember I brought that dream to you. And you were like, well, what were you what were you doing at that time? And that was my first experience of depression was when I was with him. And so it, I realized like it was a light bulb, but it was a part of me that was reminding me that you've been through this before and you didn't stay there forever. There's a, there's like a light and there's a way through and don't forget that you've been through this before. And then I was able to have so much more like, okay, like this isn't going to be, uh, the darkest cloud that I feel over me forever. And I'm going to find my way through whether that's tomorrow or in a couple of years, even like it's going to get lighter. Um, and the trust in my body that that was going to happen, like it takes a lot of courage to trust. Um, so yeah, I love that
0: so vulnerable. So vulnerable. Thank you for sharing that. I can, I can really, I think I've told you about having dreams about my ex boyfriend who I was with for almost 10 years. And it just, I think for a minute when it happens, I'm like, Oh, like, why is he still here? Like, can he just (laughs) go away? Like, but then I remember like, wow, we, we bought a home together. Wow. We shared a family together essentially. And it felt like a divorce and it makes so much sense still that that happens from time to time. And I think he, one time reached out to me as well and was, um, you know, trying to work through his feelings as well with me. And I'm like, well, it makes so much sense because it's like, we're still grieving. We're still grieving. Um, and grief I think when we think of grief, grief, it, it really is just like this loss of like a death, but it can mean so much more to that. Even like grieving, like your past body that you had prior to becoming pregnant or, you know, maybe you're no longer pregnant and there, now you're postpartum, like the, the, the grief can apply to so many stages of life, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And it's looking at it as this landing as a gift or as this landing as a violation. And that can be one of the hardest things when we feel betrayed by our system, betrayed by our body. And when we're able to, again, look at that as a sign of grief, there's a softening that occurs. So, you know, the stages of grief, denial, bargaining, depression, anger, and then acceptance. So pretty much all the time, right? We can bring it back to that. And to me some of those really are really cause distance. It's frustrating to be with someone in denial. It's frustrating to be with someone who's bargaining. It can be really frustrating to be around anger. And I'm able to soften and have much more compassion when I can see okay, this person's grieving. Mm -hmm. And right. And that to me is also doing parts work because if somebody is all something, nothing else can be true or exist. So one of the first things that I will do is say a part of you feels that way. We ask the part to step out in front of us so we can see it. Even starting to ask yourself about the part gives space and distance because identifying it as a part is making it so it's not all you so the example that I often give is if my hand was pressed right up against my face and you asked me to describe my hand I wouldn't really be able to do it very well but if I pulled my hand out in front of me I'd be able to see it much clearer and that's the same thing with the parts work and that doesn't mean that work can't happen if it's blended um, I have a very reactive firefighter part when it comes with politics that has a very hard time not blending and, you know, it's, these parts happen for a reason. And when I'm working with somebody, if that part is blending, it means, okay, this part is keeping this system safe and I'm going to stop trying to get it to separate and I'll talk directly to it. Mm -hmm. And usually when that happens, right, our parts want to be validated, they want to be seen and acknowledged. And so when that happens, then the separation can happen so that it is allowing more than one thing to be true.
2: And it's such a weight. I think when that really resonated, and I was like, oh, it's not all of me. It's like an elephant is off your chest. I'm like, oh, I'm not depressed. I'm feeling Mm. depression in my body and like, it's just one part of me. It's not all of me. And it, and so then it doesn't have to be so all consuming. You can find the pieces of joy, even though they might be like in a corner on the floor under a blanket, like you can (laughs) find them and like, hopefully they come out and they're more, they're taking up more space as you heal. But you don't have to. And I think this goes with chronic illness as well. I think this goes with fertility. Um, I personally, I work with a lot of women and that are trying to get pregnant and I don't even love the word trying, but, um, infertility, like a lot of women kind of identify as being infertile Mm -hmm. and, and maybe that is true. Maybe there is some infertility in your body, but can we stop like the identifying and maybe it's needed for treatment to use those words? But you know what I mean? Like it's kind of just like or I am chronically ill and the people that I see identifying so deeply yes. with chronic illness are the ones that have a really like it takes a longer period of time to feel better because it's like, well, how can I break up with this identity? You almost make like a relationship with it. Um, and it's just a part of you. And so,
0: yeah. Mm, So well said Gabby. I love that. That, that was like one of the biggest pieces for my mental health journey is separating the anxiety that I was experiencing. I am not my anxiety, but a part of me is feeling sensations of anxiety and, sometimes too, it can, it can be challenging. There's like resistance towards accepting that. At least there was for me and some of my clients, it's just like, no, but this is, this is me. This is who I am. Like I'm, I came out the womb anxious and that's (laughs) just me, but it it really is so pivotal once you do that. Yeah.
1: And it's such a beautiful process to get to witness because Mm -hmm. again, we have survived 100% of our hardest days, right? So that means that what our body's doing has done its job. So this part, right, isn't bad or wrong. It's looking at it as can we make it so that you're not having to work so hard? Can we identify the fears around trying something different? And the part is also gonna let you know what it needs. So that comes in with the trust as well too. And so. You know, if there's a part of you that identifies as I am someone who is chronically ill, right? That part can identify as that. And you can also have a little girl part that just wants to run and play. Mm -hmm. And when we're able to take the weight and the stories off of it and see that both of those parts are true, It allows us to navigate it differently and not feel all consumed. And that doesn't take away the suffering. That doesn't minimize the experience. That's the last thing we want to do. We want to be able to honor all the truths. And we want to be able to learn to self-validate, especially those parts, and allow them to exist without completely derailing our, our nervous system, our body, our relationships with self or others.
2: Oh. Thank you for saying that. Cause you're, like I said, you're so good at validating and I never want anyone to feel like something isn't true. Like that, it, it, yeah. Like the validation of that part is so important because we're not bypassing here. Like we're not saying no, but look at this part of you like this part yeah. of you is better and all of that. It's just knowing that both of them can exist and one of them isn't all of you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Thank you for that
0: yeah beautiful i would i, I think our listen, listeners would love to see what this kind of looks like in in person for those of you who are watching or those of you who are listening um maybe you will check out our youtube channel and watch this um on our in video format so elizabeth and gabby um will be sharing a, like a 10 minute ifs session so i'm excited <laughs>
2: It let's see what comes up. I don't even know, so this is very candid. I have no (laughs) idea what's about to come up. (laughs)
1: So, um, when doing an IFS session, there are certain things that, as the person that is witnessing, because that is what I'm doing, is I am witnessing, it's my job to unblend. So, I'm going to first and foremost make sure that Gabby feels safe. So, I want to make sure that. If there are any fears in talking to this part that we address them that you know at any time if a level of sensation is too overwhelming we have the contract and the boundary of then we're not going to go any further and so there those are sort of some very common things that will come up that can seem almost repetitive in doing these sessions Again, it comes back to safety and having that autonomy and that trust. So, I'm going to always trust Gabby's system. And my job is to really channel that self energy, to not have an agenda, to not have a specific outcome that I want Gabby to get to. It's really allowing Gabby to have her process. Um, and so, that's important to say. And then also, you know, just knowing that whatever part comes forward today is merely a part of Gabby, right? So it's not all of, and we want to just treat those parts and ourselves with respect. And I will be asking Gabby questions and Gabby, doesn't have to answer them if she doesn't want to so when i'm asking gabby a question gabby is going to internally be asking her part that question and what's really cool about it is it's not about gabby and my relationship it's about gabby and her parts so gabby's allowed to tell me what the part says or just acknowledge that it responded so i want to make sure that that's clear too because it also does look different in regards to a traditional therapy session Thank you for saying that. Yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. All right. So Gabby, I'm going to have you close your eyes if it feels safe to do so. Take a deep breath in, hug your shoulders up, exhale them down your back. And I want you to do a body scan. So notice what is coming up sensation-wise within your body. Asking if there's a certain part that would like to come forward today that would like to be seen or heard. It's definitely my,
2: the part of me that feels anxiousness. Yeah.
1: So can you let this anxious part know that it's not bad or wrong? We're not trying to change it. We're not trying to get rid of it. just want to talk to it get to know it better Mm -hmm. can you describe this anxious part for me where you're feeling it in your body
2: um i'm feeling it in my chest and my throat area um which makes a lot of sense um (laughs) Definitely. I feel like it it was actually just in my chest, but then it
1: traveled to my throat. Makes complete sense with their fifth chakra. Can you tell me, are there any fears about talking to this part? Any concerns? Um, No. Okay. So I'm wondering if you can focus, focus on that sensation and ask for it to step out in front of you so that you can see it better. Okay. What do you notice about it?
2: Um, I'm noticing that it almost has two forms. One form is like hiding. And then the other form is, you know that like explosion emoji? Mm -hmm. Fire, Not the fire one, but the like the explosion one. That's what it kind of looks like.
1: Does it feel like this is the same part or two separate parts? Um, hmm, that's a good question. Uh, probably two separate parts. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna focus on one part at a time if that's okay. Is there one part that would like to talk with us first? Yeah, the emoji. <laughs> okay so can you ask sort of the part that's hiding to just step aside and it can watch us it can be right there to jump in at any time and we'll get to it in a few minutes yeah okay can you thank that part
2: Hmm.
1: okay so tell me more about this emoji part
2: <laughs>
1: I feel like all of my
2: parts are usually people but we have an object this time um yeah there's like this it almost is like it's trying to take up space, uh, this part because it's afraid of what will happen if it doesn't Mm space. And so it's like expanding to make sure that I see it.
1: Can you you let it know that we see it and we're grateful that it's here? Mm -hmm. Can you ask this part what its job is?
2: Okay. I'm just going to say this. This is the first thing that came to my mind is to make sure that you don't embarrass
1: yourself. Mm. And what's the fear? If you embarrass yourself, what does that mean? Um, That people will speak
2: poorly of me. People will make fun of me.
1: So this part's working really hard to protect your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Can you ask this part how long it's been with you?
2: Um, hmm. at first I got middle school but then I got a memory from second grade so I would say second grade since that came first
1: can you ask this part if something specific happened that created it
2: Yeah, I would say, like, a series of things.
1: Can you ask this part how old it thinks you are? Some form of middle school. Do you want to update this part on how old you are? I
2: just turned 30,
1: (laughs) so I'm definitely not in middle school. I mean, this part, I would say, probably has to protect you most being in a middle school environment. Absolutely. So it's been working really hard. Can you ask this part what it would rather do if it didn't have to protect you in this way? And again, not to get rid of it, but to just allow it to exist and be in your system without having to work so hard.
2: Um, Good question. It doesn't really know what it would rather do. Um, Okay.
1: Can you ask it, what it when it feels the most free or when it feels like it can trust you the most?
2: Mm-hmm. It
1: definitely feels
2: like when it can trust me when I just do it, even though that's not what it wants me to do. But it feels comfort when I do it and then nothing bad happens. Yeah. Or when I get feedback. Um, that um, what I did or what I said wasn't embarrassing and that it helped somebody
1: else. What would it be like for you to tell this part that? I can do that. You know, ask this part how it would feel when it starts... (laughs) getting your attention by that sensation in your chest and throat, what it would feel like to call this part forward and let it know that its words matter, its actions matter, that it's not saying anything that's embarrassing.
2: Yeah, I think it would feel comforted if I check in
1: and just give that reminder. Can you ask this part if there's anything else that it would like from you? Whether it's a check-in, positive reinforcement, whatever it may be, just so that it knows that it's has your attention It doesn't need to completely blend. It's allowed to be.
2: Yeah. um, I think, yeah, just reminding that by sharing my story, um, it is not only empowering to other parts, but it's also, really helping to reach people that may feel really alone in similar stories um and so I'm always going to check in and make sure that it's safe to tell this part of my story um and so yeah I hope that
1: is soothing yeah. it's giving it consent hmm can you ask this part if there's anything else it wants you to know before we talk to the other part today? Um
2: yeah, I think that's it.
1: Okay, can you thank this part? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then ask if it would mind stepping aside so we can check in on the part that's hiding.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it
1: is it willing to do that?
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, can you thank it for us? Mm-hmm. So where is where is this part that was hiding?
2: Um, just like sitting on the floor in a ball, mm-hmm. trying not to be seen.
1: What else do you notice about this part? Um,
2: Their the part's head is down and Um, uh, the sensation moves from my throat to kind of like full body, just like shudder.
1: Does this part know that we're here with it? Yeah. Always Mm -hmm. (laughs) know. Very aware. (laughs) And is it okay that, that we're here? Yeah. Okay. Can you thank it for coming forward? Mm Mm-hmm. How else can you describe this part? Mm,
2: very protective and mm. very, um, yeah,
1: protective. How does it feel to see this part?
2: I, it feels like I have a lot of compassion
1: for this part of me. Can you ask this part what it's afraid of?
2: Mm, Just being seen.
1: What's the fear of being seen?
2: I almost feel like this is a part that had a fear of being seen, but is being unraveled. And so it's kind of happening currently of like the unraveling. Um, yeah. yeah, it doesn't feel as tight. I think it was just showing how it once felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Yeah, what was your question again?
1: Yeah, I was just wondering what the fear of being seen was. And we could also look at this perhaps through a lens of asking this part what its job is in your system. So how is it protecting you right now?
2: Yeah, I would say it's protecting me from It almost feels like some if I share my story and what my truth is, that it might skew someone else's perception of who I am. Um especially just to get super specific, especially on social media, mm-hmm. um it feels like because not everyone truly knows me on social media that when I share, it could kind of start to mold their opinion of me, whether that's positive or negative.
1: What do you want this part to know about that?
2: That perception um, isn't necessarily through words. And no matter what I share, people that see me are going to be able to see me regardless of what I say or what I share. Um, And that um, it doesn't necessarily put me on one linear path. And that's the whole point is that it can be all
1: of me. And is this part able to hear you say that? yeah yeah can you ask this part if there's anything else that it wants you to know or needs from you before we meet with it again
2: this part actually is asking me to keep doing it because it's helpful to be exposed sharing because then it shows that it's still safe
1: yeah How would it like for you to acknowledge it in that process?
2: Um, Probably right before I do share something that might feel vulnerable, um, just checking in with this part and letting it know um, so they can be prepared.
1: Can you take a moment and really check in with this part and have that concrete plan Mm-hmm. And just let me know when you're done. Okay. Can you thank this part for coming forward today? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then when you're ready, take a deep breath in and out and come back to the space. So bright how are you feeling Gabby
2: good it was super interesting that it was two part and not just one and I think that that is an example of how like really getting granular and in who you're speaking to and what part of you you're speaking to and how you can kind of like co-mingle sometimes and Mm -hmm. that can feel confusing until you unravel them
1: Absolutely. And it's really cool too, because you get to reparent and that piece is the best gift that we can give ourselves. Not that, you know, like I would say even the best well-intentioned parents on this planet, like we're human beings. And so um, when we are doing the reparenting process, that just means we are, we know more now. So there are things that, you know, parts that carry certain memories, certain beliefs that get to be updated on how old you are, get to be updated on what matters to you, get updated on how to protect you. And you get to be the grown up for that part that maybe that part didn't have. You get to be the friend, you get to be the supporter, the space holder. And that really is, to me, the greatest self empowerment we can have.
2: Yeah, that's like, I, I mean, the memory that I was having in second grade, it actually goes even further than that. But second grade, I had a teacher, his name was Mr. D. And I was so shy that that part of me is actually what I looked like in his classroom. I would just mm-hmm. have like, I would just like put my head down on the desk and he was so sweet. And like the first per- like teacher I had, that was like, allowed me to just be but let me know that he was there whenever I wanted to talk more and he brought humor to it like he would make me laugh when I felt painfully shy and I and the shyness part of it mom I'm not blaming you if you're listening um I was the baby of my family and she um whenever people would ask me my name, like in public, I'm sure this happened a couple of times and eventually she took over, but I just wouldn't answer because I was so shy. And so eventually she started speaking for me. Like anytime anyone asked me a question, her name's Gabrielle, she's three years old. She, and then I learned like, hell yeah, I don't have to say a thing, <laughs> like this is awesome. And then I really didn't come out of that shyness until high school, I would say, not as bad. I'm. Like, bad's not the right word, not as like contracted, but um, yeah, that was really like, I think that that really fueled my shyness as my family speaking for me. And second grade was the first time that I was able to bring humor to it, but Mm -hmm. at home I was wild. I would like run around naked, like run my tricycle into the walls naked. Like (laughs) I would jump off the second floor or or the second bunk bed. (laughs) Oh my God. I
0: was (laughs) going to say the second
2: floor yeah no it'd be like no but the second like the high bunk yeah jump off like and hope someone catch me and like so it's so interesting to see the duality um Mm -hmm. yeah
1: my anxious parts are like oh god no
2: would just expect my brother to catch me and he'd be like Gabby (laughs) and so like it's so interesting and like also helps give compassion to people in in the world on like the part of you that you're seeing right now isn't all of this person like give some time to get to know people and um, the different parts of them that might protect them at different times
0: yeah I think it allows it's allowed me to hold space for others more easily Mm -hmm. for sure Um, and, and one of the things that I've taken away from parts work is that when we have these protectors and and firefighters and correct me if I'm wrong, um, Elizabeth, but when they are protecting and doing so much work and then we begin to meet them and and develop that trust with them, is it true that then their roles can transform into like inner cheerleaders or something like that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because it really does allow The part to go back to its preferred role. Mm -hmm. So with no part being bad or wrong, it allows it to get back into this place where it's not elevated. We're not in fight or flight. We're not walled up. We're not, you know, needing to protect. If we're protecting, we're at war right? Yeah. That's conflict. And so the goal isn't to have more conflict. It's to have understanding, to have inner harmony, to be able to see each other's humanness in a way that isn't all consuming.
0: Yeah. And I think that gives people hope. I
2: love that. <laughs> and I want to add that just because somebody has a lot of parts that you're willing to have compassion for, does not give them permission to treat you horribly. And so you can have compassion for the part that's angry. You can have compassion for the part that um, likes to yell. There's like all these different things, but like you always have to check back in, like, am I available for this? And that's something that you've taught me how to do. So-
1: um, Hell yeah. We are accountable for our own healing. So we also are going to have parts that are really good at bullshitting. So when we can learn to call those parts out in a gentle and loving way, we can also call them out in other people in a loving and gentle way. And that is done right with that boundary. And, you know, so often we're dealing with somebody's inner toddler or inner high schooler, inner middle schooler, where it's like whoa, what is going on right now? And looking at the own parts of ourselves that are triggered with that unhealthy dynamic. And when we can see, right? Okay, this is someone trying to protect themselves. How can I in the most healthy supportive way protect myself? What's my boundary in place? and not attach, because when we attach, that's when it becomes so personal. That's when our neural pathways ruminate over and over and over and over again. And then we feel stuck in that loop.
0: Mm. And, and what would that boundary look like? Well, just like an example.
1: So in the spirit of validation, right? It could be, I understand that your feelings are really hurt right now. I understand that you are in pain it is not okay to speak to me that way. It is not okay to blank, right? I am here and I am. this is what I'm available for. Let's talk in a few hours. Let's take a minute and breathe and then come back together. Because people are allowed to have their feelings. They're allowed to have their opinions. What they aren't allowed to do is treat you unkindly, treat you with disrespect. At some point, if somebody keeps doing that to you, right, what's your part in it? Mm-hmm. And not, well, I guess you could have a pun intended there. Um, <laughs> that wasn't my goal. When we can see our, our part in the cycle, right? Our part in being mistreated, we are also able to have an action point moving forward, right? We're not stuck in this loop of this is happening to me. This is happening to me. It's like, here's how I can take matters into my own hands. Here, here's how I can move forward in a healthy way. Love that.
0: Yeah.
2: You never have to tolerate abuse because this person's part of them is abusive. (laughs) Like, uh, that's not what we're saying. And so I just wanted to make that clear as well.
1: I'm so glad you did because there is a level of enabling, and especially with manipulative behavior people do it because it works right we know even as a small child right it's they're trying to get their needs met and when we don't have the words or the tools to get our needs met usually happens in a maladaptive way and so as we grow it's our birthright to learn those tools to have a healthier communication pattern with ourselves and the people around us and that that's our goal right our goal isn't like oh let's let's just treat each other terribly and be miserable that's not at least anyone that I know that doesn't tend to be you know on our bucket list of things to do in our lifetime so we don't have just because something hasn't been some way doesn't mean it has to stay that way we are constantly evolving we get to take our lessons, look at what we know more of and lead by example. And that's always easier said than done. I will be the first to tell you that my reactiveness at times is not always the most healthy or supportive. And I'm going to learn from that. And I'm going to, as challenging it as being a Virgo, going to do my part in owning that and moving forward. And when we can see that in each other, it allows us to be at peace in a way that is so much safer for our system than that walking on eggshells.
0: I love that you said that because I think when we're in this process of doing the work and healing, um, it's this non-linear journey. And for me, I'm just speaking for myself. I know I've gotten into the work. I've been really proud of myself. And then all of a sudden I'm faced with an experience, a situation, and I react in an old story, an old way. And what's hardening the condition for me is is beating myself up about it instead of embodying curiosity and compassion and get, yeah, just reparenting that moment as well. Um, so yeah, invitation to just get curious about those experiences, those reactions that you have instead of hardening the condition even further. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. You named it.
0: (sighs) Wow. I really enjoyed this episode. I I took away so much. Um, and I really hope our listeners did too. And I'm sure everyone's like, where can I find this woman? So where can we keep up with you? Can people work with you? Are you taking new clients at this
1: time? I am. So I do have a few available slots open right now. And one thing that comes with this line of work is it's always changing. So um, is our healing ever complete? Is our work ever done? Absolutely not, right? Life doesn't work that way. And so it always makes me laugh if I hear, you know, or even like I'll have parts of me, they're like, no, but I've done my work. I'm good. And it's like, mm, that's first sign that we have some work to do. right? Like, It is this, it's ever evolving. And there are times when I don't need a therapy session for six months and then something happens and I'm like, okay, so bi-weekly, please <laughs> like, get me on the books. So, you know, if, anybody would like to work with me my email is elizabeth at my website is ritualartofwellness.com and my instagram is elizabeth.ritual
2: yeah we'll put
1: it all to
2: like we'll put all the links um, in the podcast notes if anyone missed it or if you want to rewind um Highly recommend five, (laughs) (laughs) star, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. No, really like you, you changed my life. I think that we started working together in 2019. And I think I mentioned this the other day, but there's something to building a relationship with a therapist that is really hard to explain that like you have been through some of my absolute darkest times and I don't have to explain them to you anymore and like it doesn't mean that you're too late this doesn't mean you're too late to like start a relationship with a therapist but like how it's so it's so like soothing to my nervous system to not have to be like this is what happened you just know um and yeah thank you it's never too late to start to find somebody who you resonate with and can help you heal um yeah
0: yeah
1: it's a gift to be able to do what I do and witness that healing. And, you know, I've just, I love what I do because I'm able to see people be in their greatest vulnerability. And I see it as witnessing someone's healing journey. And, you know, we are all so worthy of support and, there's no such thing as too much support. If it is in alignment, if it is feels like the next right thing for you, listen to that. And that's that mind-body connection. That's the trust. That's hearing the wisdom that your body's giving you.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth, for coming on the show. And to everyone listening, thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. If the episode resonated with you, feel free to share it with a friend and give the podcast a five-star review and rating as this allows us to grow and continue having incredible guests on the show. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time.